Right, are we going to make a joke about one of us being taken off the podcast for a tweet we sent? What? <laughs> who's, who said? Who's right? So we are recording. Um, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> who's 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 right? Okay. Hang on. Let's start this. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and that Technicolor rainbow in between. We're the Too Late Update podcast, and apparently one of us is getting cancelled. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I regret to say that Hodge um, tweeted that the um, Microsoft legal case was a bit like 1930s Russia. Right. And we can't have that on this podcast. So <laughs> he has been removed. Not uh, while you're cozying up to Microsoft. It was like 1930s <laughs> yeah, we, Russia. We don't want to upset our paymasters in Microsoft. And so Hodge has been removed from the podcast. Uh Forever, apparently. We are uh, now a Microsoft things. studio. We will have a game out in, call it 15 years, and it will still be subpar. It's um, okay, though. Matt, <laughs> Matt's going to also not appear on the podcast out of solidarity. Yeah. Yeah, that's... This is this is me, Kevin, doing the voices of Matt and Hodge. It's just me from now on. They are off. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the hardest part for Kevin is has been... Uh, understanding all of Wynn's and Hodge's opinions and views so that he can match them and argue with himself. Yes. Very difficult. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, what's, you know, uh, method acting. <laughs> I ate a bowl of icicles before performing. I mean, that's all you have to do for Hodge. I painted some mine. Some you can't do it anymore, Matt. You can't eat a bowl of icicles before performing anymore because you can't fucking buy them, can you? Remember why not? Because all the fat kids. <laughs> And then I painted some Warhammer figures, and I'm in in the zone. I, I like the way you were clever enough to go, oh, it's Minecraft, no, it isn't, it's Warcraft, no, it isn't, it's Warhammer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to deal with Minecraft a lot, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes it sound like Minecraft is, like, coming around his house so, and, like, going through his fridge. <laughs> so, so, Kev's oh. other personality, what, what, why is the Microsoft thing like 1930s Russia exactly? In what way? It's, Kev is not it, referencing that. He's referencing the aurora with Gary Lineker yeah. and the BBC. Right. Gary Lineker's been like suspended from the BBC for comparing a right-wing anti-immigration policy to what happened in 1930s Germany. Ah, okay. Despite not holding a politically sensitive post. Well, no. well okay. And making fuck... political statements before not being reaped over coals for it. Well, fuck the BBC in that case, because he's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, he's wrong. Um, Despite the fact that a someone who led a BBC news programme being able to write for right-wing newspapers only three years ago. Yeah. Apparently that was, that was okay. Someone who's involved in the news part of BBC was allowed to air his views. But, you know, when you say something's anti-government, also they are taking a David Attenborough programme off the air. Well, hang on, but that's... that's... We'll come back to that bit in a second. But nice, nice, apparently nice guy Ian Wright is also refusing to appear on Match of a Day of Solidarity. So the BBC is now moving to a rotor model and Matt, your shift will be in about two weeks to okay. host Match of a Day. I, uh, so, you know, I, I can honestly say I've never much cared for Ian Wright, uh, but well done on him. Good man. Yeah. Well, he, he was great last summer as well when Alan Sugar started mouthing off about male presenters on the in the European Championships and... Alan Sugar also allowed to continue to host The Apprentice, but that could also be because it is um, he's not a direct employee. It is a nor is Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker's a contractor. 
No, but he's on a contract. It's a BBC show. You know I mean, whereas the whole of The Apprentice isn't made by BBC. It's they made could, by. They a... could sell it to Channel Four or something. Exactly. Yeah. Something. But you sell... yeah, exactly. Uh, what I was going to say was the thing. I think the thing with that David Attenborough thing, which is a little bit misleading, and it, again, who knows what the real truth is. But they're they're sort of saying that that episode was never intended to wear as part of the te- as part of a run. It was like a special additional episode they'd bought to put on iPlayer. Bollocks. Right. What was this episode? Was this the episode about? This is, so basically, there's a new David Attenborough program coming. Yeah. Uh, about wildlife in the British Isles. Yeah. One of the episodes, which tends to happen on David Attenborough shows now, is they have an episode addressing man or man's impact on the environment yeah yeah they've done that before yeah yeah they've done that on frozen planet they've done that on uh blue planet it's quite consistent so they did one for this Mm. um which was about uh the erosion nature of the british isles and uh reportedly it's being it's not being shown on bbc one because they don't want to upset tories but it is still going on iPlayer, which I mean, which why I think muddies the water because yeah, if if the original plan wasn't to have it on iPlayer, you're not going to not upset anyone by still putting it on iPlayer. So I mean, it sounds it sounds to me that they are effectively hiding it on iPlayer uh, from you know, uh, but that's uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 very much sounding like um, the government is very much in the the reins of you are the BBC, we pretty much pay for you, you will not. um, Well. So the middle aren't they of trying to get a load of um, Tory mates and members to form most of the BBC's board of directors? Of course they are, because that's what they do. Um, and God, I can't Welcome wait for state-controlled media. Wait, I can't wait for the like the Doctor Who episodes, right? Where it's it's like it's it's now it's back to being a uh, cis white gender Doctor <laughs> Who, and. There's an episode of aliens trans- trying to transfer onto a a, a planet, and Doctor Who <laughs> the doctor is Doctor has to stop and them. The doctor has to stop them by blowing them out of the sky with his TARDIS, which now has guns on it, and it's directed by Zack Snyder because <laughs> you know that sort of that's the sort of shit we're in for because we are we are rapidly adhering to you know insane right wing propaganda times because that's what they've got because they haven't got policies so that's what they've got they've got culture war bullshit because yeah. saying, i will i will quite happily sorry i am going to go on a rant and maybe this might be the case of me actually like sleepy time mario musicing myself you guys <laughs> let me know but generally it's a load of old bullshit the, the whole bullshit about people coming over here in terms of our actual spendage as a country is nothing. It's pathetic. It's not a drop yeah. in the ocean. So concentrating on it as a major issue is total bollocks. It's exactly the same with uh, trying to flip it on to transgender people where you're sort of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, well, we don't know about whether we should let uh, drag queens or whatever, uh, you know, do story time. That's fine. You just like if someone wants to do a drag drag act for kids, like a fucking widow twanky, that's absolutely fine, and no one has any problems with that. And if you and if you as a parent want to take them to that, then you are allowed to, and should be should continue to allow to. You like the government doesn't get to tell people what to do and what to think. And this is what's what I'm starting to worry because they haven't got policies, they haven't got any financial plans that are, if you like, traditional Tory policies. So it's cultural bullshit. So it's 
Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. It's total bullshit about you know people coming over here because it costs us costs us nothing in the grand scheme of things. The amount of money no. we spent on everything else. Sorry, that was that was the rant. That was the rant. I liked um, just off the back of that. You know, a whole thing in the states now where certain states are trying to ban drag queens. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I liked I liked a, tw- a picture someone tweeted earlier which said um, banning drag queens won't work. The only thing that will stop a bad guy in a dress is a good guy in a dress. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, oh, the the John Stewart little bit of that is fucking brilliant. Where he's yes. talking to, uh, I think it we need our own John Stewart. Yeah, we 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 really do. Um, and and it's great because we've got him, and he basically says, "So you're so the uh, the the right to free speech is can be infringed to protect kids." And the guy's like, "Yes." But you won't infringe the Second Amendment, which is the right to bear arms to protect kids, because one of those is inviolate and the other one isn't. And even though that you know the Second Amendment, the right to have guns, is what kills more more American kids than anything else. So you know, just the you know the hypocrisy is is real. Um, and and again, like I say, it's a total sideshow. It's it's distraction. And it, yeah, because actually... he sort of loses his cool, doesn't he? It's, which he doesn't do very often. As it goes, what you're telling me is you do not give a shit about kids dying. Yeah, well, because of course they don't. It's not. It's not no. about. It's not about. And and this this stuff about drag queens and everything like that isn't about kids either. It's about control. It's about causing a fear of something. Um, because if you can get someone to fear something, then you've got them in the part of your hand. Because then you can turn around and say. Oh, we've got the solution, and that's exactly the same with the guys coming over the border uh, on boats. Because do you know who's at risk of the guys coming over the border on boats? The guys coming over the border on boats—they're the people actually yeah. at risk. They are the ones at risk. I'm going to tell you, like the idea that they're all criminal gangs. I'm not going to pretend that criminal gangs aren't ferrying people. That's absolutely no. true. But the idea that it's all criminal gangs coming over here is fucking nonsense. Because the criminal gangs would. Uh, basically would have better connections <laughs> yeah. like yeah, yeah. it's just it uh, mm. there we go so well, apologies people coming over here on a boat i knew it was them even it was the, even when it was the bears i knew it was them yep that's right exactly if, yeah. if, if the if criminal gangs just all criminal gangs they would just you know probably just pay off the tory party like but members of the russian government have and yeah or their the friends <laughs> Oil barons, you know, they that's how they get people in this country. Yeah. That's, it's easier. I swear it's to God. Martin, like, isn't, isn't it funny that the Tory party have probably committed more crimes than the people coming over in boats? Yes. More yeah. and worse crimes. So what have right. you been up to this week, Matt? Stop <laughs> um, uh, just... like insinuating you've been up to crimes. I mean, hey, come on now. We've all, we've all done some crime. Um... In terms of like uh, pop culture stuff, not too, not too much. Um, I've got some time off finally. So uh, I, I, I remember saying at the beginning of my first episode of Sound Files, I very stupidly say this will be a weekly podcast or every week. <laughs> oh no, no, no! So I'll be working on that with the next episode, and the next episode is going to be on the music of the Metal Gear franchise, which will be Ooh. fun. Oh, cool! Yeah. Um, so I, one of the things I have to do for that is play Metal Gear Two, because I've never played it. Uh, I have played Metal Gear One, the one from the MSX, the uh, oh. like not Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear. Um, yeah, so that'll be also, fun. Also, you can just talk about Snake Eater for like a good ten minutes. I mean, I do plan a B side, but the B side's going to be very specific. 
that's legitimately the best Bond song ever written. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be you know doing a deep dive into that uh, and trying to understand that a bit more. I did initially have the idea of can I get away because I wanted to challenge myself and say can I do an entire episode about Metal Gear without mentioning Hideo Kojima's name, <laughs> like, <laughs> which which I would love to do because I I secretly think he would hate that more than anything else in the world. But Konami would be my friend. Um, but no, no, you like you can't, you can't. He's yeah, the man's, you know, fused with that game series pretty much. Um, so yeah, um, that and also, uh, I would say you've been watching Mandalorian Bad Batch again. Star Wars is back and it's good. Um, I'm going to say that I think the Bad Batch season two is really is it's really good. It's really good. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of they're doing th- they're doing that thing that go oh yeah this is why the Clone Wars is brilliant and this is you know it's effectively the last sort of it's literally the last thing of the clones because it's kind of tracking the change from clones to stormtroopers. And, oh, cool. And, and I think well, I said said to you earlier that the you know the character Crosshair who's like in the first series and is you mm. know he is he has become one of my favorite Star Wars characters. He's like. Yeah, he's great. He's he's really good. Um, so yeah, and uh, finally today, because it just came out last night, I played the Resident Evil Four demo. How is it? Oh, how is it? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's so good, guys. It's um, you know the GameCube get demo from back in the day where it just you just go into the village and it all goes mad, and then you know, uh, and then eventually the bell rings for everyone to come to dinner, sort of thing. That's yeah, what yeah. it is. It's that. Okay. It's that, but it's obviously the new one, and it's but it's ah, oh, yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited, guys. This this looks yeah. Also, you could you could like there was a lot of knifing grannies in the back. I did because there are some sort of <laughs> there are some stealth like elements where you can do sort of a you know single takedown, but of the first person you sort of come across who you can do that takedown to is some old granny. So it's like. <laughs> Stitch this, <laughs> stab. <laughs> so yeah, that's been me pretty much. Hodge, we've been watching the newest series of Unforgotten on ITV, which is a police crime drama. Oh. And let me tell you, the last episode and how it ends is absolute bullshit. Oh no, I hate that. <laughs> like honestly, the whole series just falls apart in like the last ten minutes. It's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, that makes no sense. It is bullshit. So we'll move on from that. Um, I've been on on the drive in to my daughter's nursery. I go for a small village, mm. and they've got this lovely big, like hand painted sign up um, on some on some fabric tied across the village square that says, "You are loved." Ah. And, and each morning, what makes me chuckle a little bit is the thought of replacing that sign with a big scowling picture of Kratos that just says be better next to it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think it would be such a different message. <laughs> you are loved. Be better. <laughs> okay. The thing is you sort of the implication with that is that the Kratos thing is quite a negative thing, but I in some respect yeah. it it was a positive thing. It's like we, we I'm need not to... saying it's a negative thing. I'm just saying I think the juxtaposition is quite funny. Yeah, it's it's the you know because the thing is, don't be sorry, be better. 
Yeah. 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 Which is... uh, the. I mean, the only other thing I'll say is, um, is it's been if 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 you're a Hodge, it's been a, a good week for movie trailers. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, the well, to do this quickly. The um, Ninja Turtles trailer looks fantastic and exactly what I want out of that kind of film. Yeah. Like, and the animation looks stunning. And yeah, that I mean, I don't need to see any more Mario movie trailers. I'm sold. We don't need to do any more. I, I mean, know we're not going to now, but yeah, but that trailer is pretty good as well. Yeah, I thought it wasn't as good as the one before that, but it was just like it doesn't need to be. There's lots of good, um, good um, Easter eggs in it though, like the um, uh, what's it called, the Tost Arena from Odyssey's in it, the bomb uh, battlefields in it, and you can see um, the bit where they're making their carts. Beneath the carts, yeah. they're made from the same um, um, kind of roulette wheels that you use in Mario Kart Eight to choose your parts. Yes, yes, I'd seen that. Yeah. Good Easter eggs. Yeah. Also, yeah, fire Donkey Kong. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, you, Kev? Yep. I went to see Fucked Up last night. Oh, awesome. Um, who were very good. Did um, they sing song about a horse? No, they didn't play anything off um, the Year of the Horse. Oh, okay. Which, uh, well, it's I, it doesn't surprise me in that that's a sprawling, like, 80 minute album concept album about like a wizard and a horse yes and they they tend to play play because they've just released an album which they recorded in one day called one day ah. uh, they'll play quite a lot of that and they played stuff off um uh david comes alive um and some some of the other stuff so it's more their sort of single track concept stuff they were very good um as you well that's sort of the fourth time i've seen them um and it was nice um to i don't know if you know who big jeff is no, like he's a well-known guy in the Bristol music scene. He tends to go to gigs and draw. Oh, in, okay. In the front row a lot, um, but I think it was about this time last year the news came out that he'd had a he was in hospital with a with serious burns. Oh God! Um, so it was the first time I'd seen him last night. Back out going to gigs. He, he you could see he's not quite hundred percent. He's still struggling a little bit to, with movement. But yeah, it was nice to nice to see him. And the band gave him a shout out because I think they yeah. must know. Yeah, so that was nice. Um, I have been playing Yakuza Three, which I got the collection a while ago, and I just finished Three. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as the One and Two, but it's more focused on him looking after kids in an orphanage. Yes. Which, yeah, like there's this ex mafia guy who is looking after about nine kids in an orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you spend like a, quite a few chapters solving the kids' problems and. <laughs> A lot of the time through fighting, and then towards the end, you know, spoilers, but a, a rival gang comes and basically just demolishes the orphanage right in front of all the children, <laughs> which is just horrible. But, and one of the guys actually, like, the, 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 looking after the kids, uh, one of the other ma- the mafia guys, like, takes a hammer to his back when he's trying to stop a kid, a doghouse, uh, like a kennel being destroyed. Well, he, he smacks a kid in the back with a hammer, basically. No, he smacks, no, he smacks. An adult. Oh, okay. The, the adult is stopping this kid's dog's kennel being destroyed. Mm-hmm. While these other people what are they got against the kennel. Um, Everything must be demolished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a fight at the end where uh, Kiryu like grabs a stops a a bull attacking another mafia leader by just holding it by the horns <laughs> and then throwing it. I... <laughs> these, these games are mad. But... The, yeah, the one thing I, I find 
quite delightful a little bit about the Yakuza games is uh, Kiryu is a member of the Yakuza, right? The the yeah. Japanese mafia. Yeah. He himself does very little actual crime. He very like he he like he very like apart from the you know beating the shit out of people, he doesn't actually ever I don't think actually do anything illegal. <laughs> it's well, he's busy with all this crazy shit. He keeps getting himself yeah, into. Yeah, that's, that's true. Like he's like I don't think he actually kills anyone. Um, like like you know why what why isn't why isn't Kiryu here on this on this um, organised crime job we're doing? Ah, oh, he, he rang up. He's I don't know. He's finding a kid's dog or something. Yeah, that's right. He's yeah. full of excuses. That one. He fucking hell. Yeah, it's um. I think in the, so. It starts off with him being he takes the, he takes the blame and goes to jail for someone being killed. Yeah, he didn't do it. He's like protecting a friend of his and protecting the like the reputation of the accuser. Um, and then he comes back and he sorts all that out and uh, there's a whole saga about that. And then he basically retires. So he just keeps getting pulled back in with shenanigans. Yeah. He just wants to look after these kids, but like they won't just leave him alone. And it, it's what he's like. He, he tends to be involved in like, like the last one was like a rivalry to become who's the next prime minister of Japan, like about this small piece of land that the orphanage is on. It's like, this is why. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I started playing that one, I think. Yeah. Um, yes, and I finished Stranger Things Season 4. Oh, cool. Very, very good, that series. Yeah. Very, uh, very sort of depressing ending, though. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe they killed off, like, the one of the better new characters. Um, oh, well, um, yeah, do we want to mention the name? Uh, let's, let's not, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, probably, um, you know, something. And, yeah, one of the other characters is basically in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a because the, the other sort of I can't like series two and three tend to end with like we have resolved the arc of the season and there's a few yeah. things to do. Whereas this one, like, no, there are actual consequences for this battle. Things are not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things be fucked up. And I've started watching on on your recommendation, the Vinland saga, Matt. How are you finding it? Yeah, it's really good. Yes! Yay. <laughs> I've just got to uh, episode four, which sort of feels like the prologue in some respects. Yeah. Um, where a character is killed. And I think, yeah. 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 It's 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 a bit like crazy that, like you said, it's a uh, anime show. Yes. That seems to be, like focus on doing a proper Viking TV show. Yeah. In the sort of like Last Kingdom or Vikings. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of because uh, season two is currently airing as well. Um, however, it doesn't have uh, an English dub, so it's got English subtitles, but not an English dub. So uh, I have to like, I have to set aside specific time to watch that, um, if you know what I mean. Because uh, yeah, also because well, my eyes are shit. Yeah, but that it's would, yeah, that would um, make it harder to watch. Yeah, yeah. To, well, anyway. But it's yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. But, I uh, forgot. I'm also playing um, Metroid Prime Remastered, which is fantastic. It is. It is really good. Yeah, I think what someone said is you forget how good that game is because the the opening bit is very basic. Yeah, you know, the bit on the space station is very basic, and then as soon as the game opens up properly, you kind of remind yourself, oh yeah, this game's brilliant. It's not just it's not just yeah. that space station bit. And I um I haven't played it since it first came out really so yeah. or when it was first played it so I hadn't 
I appreciate it in a different way now. And it makes the Mario All Stars re release look even worse in comparison. Yeah, it does. Look at what you could have done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Not even not even the best version of some of those games on that collection. Mm. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll pick that up at some point because I played it through to about halfway when it. I think it was about five years after it came out, and then just never picked it up. I, I, I can lend it to you, Cal. I got the physical version. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Oh, that's yeah. that's that one final thing. That's the other thing. Is that I'm still going through Crisis Call on the PS5, and that's because that game is probably only supposed to be about what ten, fifteen hours long, Mm. but they they keep out they keep offering you missions to do, and then I have to do the missions, and that and that's ballooned it to like forty, fifty hours. (laughs) It's like, and I don't know why. Because the missions aren't good, <laughs> they, they're not. They're not particularly. In, it's go here, fight the enemy, end the mission. But I'm I'm locked in now. I've done too much of it as a sunk cost fallacy. Um, okay, so I think that will that will that do us, guys. Are we ready yep. to jump on board? Okay, so our topic of conversation for today is July of two thousand and four. Hodge, hit us with some news, please. There was quite a lot of news. July the 1st, the unpiloted Cassini Huygens spacecraft arrives at Saturn. <laughs> 2nd of July, an openly gay cleric, Jeffrey John, is installed as the Dean of St. Albans. Saying he's installed makes him sound like a boiler. Um, I mean, you do have to July, yeah. just go back to Cassini. Yeah. That has been quite a successful satellite, hasn't it? Like all the um, images and work they've done around like Enceladus and all the moons has come from that. Um, <laughs> That's like the fact that we might there may be microbial life on Enceladus. They, we didn't know that before that satellite. That's so cool. Yeah. Quite interested. All the basically it's like definitely I didn't worth all that the effort to get it there. It's been fantastic. When was it launched? How long did it take to get there? Uh, I think it was a couple of years, wasn't it? Didn't it take? Oh, ninety-seven. It was launched. Wow. Gosh. So yeah, six years. So yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the Queen unveils memorial fountain to Diana, Princess of Wales in London. So, while stifling a chuckle, some might believe. Um, <laughs> so, do, yeah. Um, do you know that this was originally going to be a fountain where kids could come and play when it was hot and cool off and everything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know it was also instantly closed because kids kept falling over? <laughs> Because again, because much, yeah. to, much to the Queen's delight, because <laughs> because Philip had put <laughs> Philip had put the like fairy liquid all over the place and it just laughed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it, it was on a bit of a hill, wasn't it? So the kids would slip over on the fairy liquid that Philip had put there um, and slide down the hill into his net. If there was <laughs> no, that's Andrew. It's Andrew yeah. with the net. Oh, Andrew, Andrew. So it was Andrew with get, the net. Get get your slander correct. Okay, Andrew with the net and the fairy liquid. That's right. If there's any very the different queen... version of Cluedo we're building. Yeah. If there's anything the Queen loves, it's harmed children. That's that's well known. Twelfth uh... July, Chancellor of Exchequer, Chancellor of the Exchequer, Gordon Brown announces a massive loss of one hundred thousand civil service jobs in the UK, savings to be put into frontline services such as health and education. wasn't wasn't worth it. No, wasn't it wasn't. worth the effort. It actually wasn't. Um, if anything, it's been detrimental because now we have to rely on uh, the elected politicians to know what they're doing rather than the civil servants. That's gone well. That's gone really well. Because 
They can just leave, can't they? Just be ousted and replaced by other people who don't know what they're doing either. Also, it's a popularity um, concept, contest. It's, yeah. it's interesting, yeah. though, because one of, one of David Cameron's uh, big things in, in, in the run-up to the election in 2010 was like, oh, we need to get rid of civil servants and invest in frontline services. Like, well, Labour had done that? <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I think, I think the thing is, nobody likes bureaucracy, right? So when you say we're going to get rid of the bureaucracy, everyone goes, yay, and then you go, why does nothing work? Well, for things to work, you need a competent bureaucracy. Oh, oh, yeah. Why, why, yeah. why do loads of contracts just go to people's mates? Well, yeah. 13th, the Countryside Agency publicises a new countryside code in advance of the right to roam coming into effect in September across England and Wales. So I put it saying sort of the right to roam was quite a big thing that came in, wasn't it? Really? You're allowed to you, you you couldn't go anywhere before. You could just like stick to a path and now you can I, I think it was more to it was more to stop people from, from claiming areas as this is my land type mm. dealy. Um which uh, you know, I think it's depends on the area. It's probably more right, it was... to some areas than it is to, you know, me. Yeah, I mean jo joking aside, it was um it's for public's rights access certain public or privately owned land, lakes, and rivers for recreation and exercise. Yeah. Is the definition. Um, 14th July, the Butler Inquiry releases its report, mildly criticising the government in their use of intelligence relating to weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. The 15th of July, the BBC broadcasts a documentary on the British National Party, which undercover reporter Jason Gwynn infiltrated the BMP by posing as a football hooligan. The programme results in Mark Collett and Nick Griffin, the leader of the party, being charged for inciting racial hatred in April 2005 for comments made in the film. In a news story you could best describe as, of course... Yeah, the BMP got the last laugh, though. <laughs> Did they? Well, well, I suppose I, their, a little bit. their policies are basically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're basically government policy now. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, um, just on the uh, Butler report, I, I've also I forgot to mention I'm playing a House uh, Dark Pictures anthology, House of Ashes. Oh yeah. Which is um, this? So it's the adapted uh, from the Butler report. Super massive anthology series, a bit like Twilight Zone, but for narrative-based games, yeah. horror games. So this one, you are playing a group of Marines that have, uh, think they found some of uh, Saddam's chemical weapons and go to H ruins and turns out it's vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if like, I'm not being funny. If Saddam had vampires, right, then the war is justified. I'm just saying that. I'm putting that out there. If Saddam so, like, had vampires. We, yeah, we, we didn't find any uh, WMDs, but we found, like, vampires. Yeah. Because they're more likely... Did they find any WMDs? I don't know. I can't attend any of their meetings. They only hold them in the dark hours now, yeah. and I can't. I'm not working that late. Yeah. And finally, on the 19th of July, the government announced backing for the Crossrail project. The central section of the line between Paddington and Abbey Wood opened on the 24th of May, 2022, with 12 trains, trains, 12 trains per hour. Oh, okay. Is that the Queen Elizabeth line. Or that? Different? No idea. Couldn't tell you, buddy. Let's say yeah. Let's say yes. Yes. And and if you want to tell us no, you can contact us at uh, too late update at gmail .com. There you go. Or follow us. Or, email, or, or what you could do is go go to your lounge, find that penny jar, get
get about fifty feet out of there. Go go down the road to your nearest nearest um, petrol station. There are a hot drink machine there, and then you can put the money in, get a cup out, press a button, and get yourself a nice warm cup of shut the fuck up and move. What period of time do you live in where yeah, eight but... people have like a lot of change was, and was, get was, a drink for fifty p? Everyone's say, got loads yeah, of change because they're able to spend any of it. Shut the fuck up will cost you at least two fifty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't drink it. As you can tell by listening to me. No, no because you won't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, That's the joke, Matt. Thank you. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, shall we go on to music? Yeah. Please do. Yeah. So we have a bit of music news as well. Um, July 11th, McFly debut at number one in the UK album charts with Room on the Third Floor. They break the record set by the Beatles as the youngest group ever to debut at number one on the album charts. People get very upset and annoyed when someone breaks one of the Beatles' records, even when it doesn't mean yeah. shit. No, there are more people buying albums now than there were when the Beatles were new. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not now. Well, you know what I mean? Even then. Yeah. Um... No, it's not now, Kev. Thank you for making no, no, sure just, I understand. I don't think we're travelling in time each time we do this. I'm no! Not... <laughs> I'm just saying there's significantly less albums being bought now than there was 20 years ago. And significantly less than was when the Beatles were named. Because you to buy, when the Beatles were popular, the only way to listen to an album was to buy it. Yeah. They were more popular. But yeah, it was the the population's bigger. So it's got to get broken at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's not even that. It's just that they're the youngest. It's not even like the most selling, is it? No. It's just that they were younger. Yeah, and we're also all overlooking the fact that we're just better than the Beatles. It, time will tell. In a hundred years, <laughs> time will tell. Yeah, who will people be talking about McFly or the Beatles? Well, I mean, all you can say really is that no one from McFly has voiced Thomas the Tank Engine. So who's the real winner? Yeah, Matt has had enough I... of my shit. Matt is done with my shenanigans. <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for it to be over. <laughs> when um, T- title of your sex tape. When the, the Thomas the Tank reboot starts. That's right, and it is a member of McFly. That's going to be no. They're all voiced by McFly. They're all voiced by McFly. No, Thomas is going to be um, voiced by Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right, let's move on. So our first album is. A- brilliant album and it's the future heads by the future heads when i was a child running in the night i was afraid of what might be hiding in the dark and hiding on the streets for and of what was following me the hounds are the
brilliant. Um, again, we're sort of, I sort of made my stall about a year ago about not liking indie music and sort of speak um, in, in, landfill indie. Sorry, yeah. I was trying to get the word out. Um, but here's another one I really like. So yeah. they're not they're not a landfill indie band. I think this is when indie was uh, back popular, but people have been quite experiment, experimental with it. So yeah, they, the future had sound quite different to the next to next indie band, and everyone sounded really different. So there was really good stuff. So see, it's uh, it, it's funny because I like they're not a punk band, but they feel mm-hmm. more punk than a lot of other indie bands. Let's put it that yes. way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and and this has got some some great tracks on it. Hounds of Love, Jesus Christ, what a great cover. Um, we we <laughs> I've got a story about that, but it's not actually not fun for anyone who wasn't there. So I'll keep it under my hat. Um, is is that the one where you were forced to sing it? At well, 10, I was forced to sing the wrong version <laughs> by someone going, "Oh yeah, we've definitely got it on this karaoke playlist." I'm like, "This is totally this is the the thing like it's it's the it's wrong. I can't sing this if it's the wrong like yeah, that was fun." Um, but also like false conversations and stuff. Um, decent days, a few decent days and nights. Uh, yeah, it's a great album. I really love it. I want to go listen to it. Just thinking about it, yeah. I want to go listen to it again. And uh, they they brought in some quite different elements. Like there's a lot of a cappella style, like chain singing. Uh, yeah, singing, but like um, singing. I, which, um, which I think a number of other bands like kind of almost copied off them. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, you know the the Fratellis ring to mind that there's a lot of bits and pieces mm. sort of copied from. Well, not copied, but you know, no, yeah. they didn't invent it. You know, but it's that sort of feeling. Um, but the yeah, uh, I, I this I remember having this album and I played this over and over again. Um, and it was and like most of the tracks were on my um, you know my playlists and stuff. Like I say, thinking about it now, I want to go listen to it. Um, it's that good, which I don't often do with albums, even when I like them and we talk about them on this. But this one, it's like I haven't heard this for a while. I actually want to go listen to it. So good. Um, yes, a, okay, probably okay. underappreciated classic from the mid noughties Yeah, but um, well, it's a shame because they sort of didn't go as far as a lot of the other bands. No, I came up around that time. Like they, they didn't like a lot of them got the headline Reading at some point, whereas Future had sort of quietly slunk away, which is a bit sad. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to know what happened to them. Um, I think they were just a bit. I think they were a bit not complicated, but I think they were a bit harder to sell than some of the other bands yeah what's your what's your vibe what's your thing mm. and almost yeah that it was i'll tell you what it could be i reckon they'd have if they'd come out maybe five years ago from now they'd have been very popular when there was kind of an 80s resurgence because i think there's there's an 80s vibe going on in there mm. somewhere Again, it's one of these that I like, don't like. Maybe I'm the wrong person to do a podcast about music because I don't often have I don't have a great music vernac- vocabulary. But um, there's there's like they feel retro, uh, but maybe the wrong kind of retro for the time. That's again terrible, terrible use of language. Keeping it in. That's how we do it. I know what you mean though. Yeah, they're a lot like um, not the hives. Is it the hives, you know, Meg Drum. No, White Stripes. White, a bit like the white stripes and that they've got a similar kind of yeah feel yeah. to them yeah no i could see that i'd, I'd say it's kind of interesting because depending on how you talk to 
<laughs> they're nowhere near as shit as the White Stripes, or nowhere near as good, <laughs> depending on where you fall on on the White Stripes. They're in balance. They're the same, then. Yeah. yeah. I, I was saying I liked the White Stripes before I saw them live. Oh. I think they're. I think the albums prior to Reading 2004 were good. That was one of the worst things I've had to sit through. I didn't even sit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, I may. I might. Might have a little look and see if I can figure out what happened to the heart for Future Heads because. It might be one of those things where they all just ended up in different bands or something like that. I think I think they're still a band. Mm. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got the Hives, Tyrannosaurus Hives. The hives I was thinking of, I think, sound a bit like um, White Stripes. Sorry, not um, Beachhead. Oh, okay. Well, they, yeah, I mean, the hives are part of that garage rock scene from around this time that came out of oh, kind of the Strokes. Yeah. Um, the, the again, the hives are a lot more punky, more more traditional rock and roll, married with that. I think. Yeah, um, the the hives kind of go back to uh, the Rolling Stones kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. There is there is a lot of Mick Jagger in. Yeah, high as a lead singer. It's, it's... Um, yeah, this, this is the this is the follow up to your new favorite band, which was their breakout album. Uh, I think "Walk Idiot Walk" is the breakout song on this one. Oh yeah, I love "Walk Idiot Walk." Yeah. yeah. Interestingly, um, they've got um, both two songs were used for Gran Turismo Four: "Be for Brutus" and "Uptight." Yeah. And no pun intended was in Motorstorm Pacific Rift. Yes, two time in touch and broken bones, another popular song. Yeah, it was a yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it was a good follow up. It's not as good as the its predecessor, but it sort of kept them going as a really fun rock and roll band who were really great live around this point as well. So I, I think I think actually seeing the Hives live made me like them more. Like I always I always just quite liked them, but when we saw them when I've seen them live, I think they've been great. But I don't think it's because they are a high energy band. They are very much like like we're going to be up, we're going to be singing, we're going to be loud, we're going to be walking around, we're going to be talking fast, we're going to be singing fast, we're going to get getting you jumping up on your feet, all this kind of stuff. They're like that's what I mean. They're very high energy. They don't have many slow tracks or anything like that that I know of. Like e- even when like even when those ones which are maybe not hugely high speed, there's usually a bit, uh, a very fast tempo going on. Like it's. That's what I mean. They always feel like they're all, they are going a mile a minute sort of thing, which I think is a really yeah. good, yeah, mm. yeah, really good thing for the hives. Love them. 
Yeah. I suppose we haven't talked about them before now, but uh, just probably just never got to them just yet. Uh, I think there's probably only two albums you'd probably focus on with them. True. Yeah. And, yeah. So. Cool. Uh, Taking Back Sunday, where you want to be? So we we are also in this time about to get into e- getting emo is going to be a massive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge came out this year. I don't remember what month, but it was this year. Um, and emo is going to quickly become sort of one of the biggest genres of music, even though I don't think it's a genre. Well, we've mentioned this in the past, but yeah, bands that could be described as emo, yeah, um, were became big around this time, and Taking Back Sunday were one of them. It, it, I guess the second album. Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, we've spoken a little bit about this before, but it's something that almost started as a derogatory term that then cheer has... up emo. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, emo started as a uh, term in the mid '90s, and it sort of felt like something very different to what it became when it became popular. Like I said, I don't know if I said in the past that Weezer were referred to as an emo band. Yeah, that was like uh, Super Heaven and uh, oh, is it Jar? Um, I've forgotten the name. Someone who's big influence of Frank Turner. Um, he was in an emo band. Well, I've forgotten the name of, but it was very different in the 90s. Um, yeah. Like it, it was basically supposed to be like emo- emotional rock music. Yeah. Um, I think before, uh, it became, before it became the whole like. Emo was goth light almost. Yeah. Well, yeah. Before, but basically, it was just what goths were emos and emos were goths. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't think it's a genre. I don't think it's a consistent genre of music. I mean, like one emo. It's the same as um, when they lumped in all like slipknot, deftones. Limp Biscuit and Corn all together, and so their new metal was like yes. those are very different bands. Exactly that. that. I think that's what I was thinking of when I said we've yeah. kind of discussed something yeah. almost being used as a pejorative term, and then it just kind of becomes, well, how do you describe something that has a similar vibe? Well, it's it's emo. Um, just it, this is slightly off topic, but slightly on topic. There was a uh, recent um, interview with uh, one of the uh, producers at Square Enix about Final Fantasy 16 bear with me um right. and he got annoyed because he asked because uh, they asked you know was it difficult to change from Final Fantasy 16 from an action game and it used to be a JRPG and he actually took exception to the term JRPG um because there is a perception that that particular series of of that JRPG is somehow not as good as a Western RPG or a, you know, uh, or just calling something an RPG, which I found interesting because, you know, it's Dark Dark Souls and, uh, you know, Elden Ring and all that, they are technically JRPGs. They are RPGs that are made in Japan, right? And then you've right. got something like uh, Persona, which is a turn-based combat game, which is also considered a JRPG, but they are actually completely different games altogether. You know, they don't play anything like each other. Um, yeah. But then there was also the idea that JRPG also means that it's anime-inspired, um, that it's teenagers saving the world, you've got a beach episode or something like that going on. So I just found that interesting. Um, maybe I'll shift that around in the episode, but I found it an interesting sort of thing of when you... like. To people come to use terms to lump things together which actually d- 
don't which end up not being descriptive of what's actually been shall we talk about the actual taking back sunday album now <laughs> yeah cool. you, you pulled it round. i wondered how you would get in there but yeah, yeah. I, I now see the link you're making yes. i think that's a good a good point yeah the person i was thinking of is jonah matranga and he was in the band far yeah he was mid mid 90s emo band um yeah i mean taking back sunday all right yeah, we um we saw them last year about this time. Yeah, they they pretty they were pretty good supporting uh Alkaline Trio. Yeah. Um another band who had been called Emo, but um anyway. Uh yeah, this album's alright. I think that their this and their first album are pretty good. Yeah. Um yeah. Ne- next up we've got one which we've sort of but not really covered before. Yes. I'm assuming um, that's why it's on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I we we only decide well we only decided to record today uh, last minute and otherwise I might have put some more albums on here because a a um, uh, Dillinger Escape Plan album came out this month but I hadn't listened to it so I put this one on here because Hodge has referred to the album cover yep. in the past which um, is uh, it's cattle decapitation and humanure which you might remember we did for our scariest album covers yeah uh, because it's it's pretty gross. It's the one with the prolapsed uh, anus of a cow and human faces in made out of shit, basically. Yes. Yep. I'm not listening to like that, I do like cattle decap, though. So. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, uh, sorry, carry on, Kev. I'll let you sort of carry on. Yeah, so, so the next one I brought in was Sparta Porcelain. Um, so Sparta were one of the bands that came from the uh, breaking up of At The Drive-In. Ah. Uh, along with the Mars Volta, um, Mars Volta where Mars Volta went like prog indie, definitely prog. Yeah, uh, Sparta were um, more influenced on the hardcore side, and yeah, I remember seeing them in Reading 2006, and they're really good. Um, but they didn't really do much after this album, I think. Um, and finally, I put this one down because I know Hodge is a fan. But again, last time I did this, Hodge didn't like the album. Hodge. The, they might be giants. The spine. Do you like this one? I don't like this one either. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna Sorry. stop bringing up this band. They release an album every year. <laughs> uh, off, Sorry. Off, off topic. On topic. I just started rewatching Malcolm in the Middle again. Ah, yes, yeah. that's again? a great one. Yeah. So cool. So we'll go to uh, quick size as well. Uh, Sparta porcelain, all I can imagine is someone going, this is Sparta, then kicking someone, and instead of pushing them into his hole, the foot goes right through him, and it just smashes into a million pieces. And he's like, oh, oh shit! <laughs> there we go. Um, do you want to have a quick rundown of the top singles and albums? Yes. So we've got, obviously, by McFly for the 3rd of July. Obviously. Uh, and then we've got Burn by Usher. Another Usher? Yeah. Uh, uh, then... Lola's theme by Shapeshifters. I don't know. You know this. If you, if I, yeah, seriously, Matt, stick it in here. Okay. You'll, you'll, you'll know it when you hear it. Okay. I, I bought the same. I listened to it today. I was, oh, I didn't know this was what this is called.
okay. So this might be the moment to talk about this band because I don't know if we're ever going to pull pick their album as something to talk about. Uh, Dry your Still. eyes by the streets. Do you... what, what do you think of the streets, Kev? Um, I the, my overriding memory of the streets is us thinking that what's the, is it Mike Skinner? Yeah, yeah. Mike Skinner was the one that stole our stuff from the tent at Reading. Oh, because they were there, and it's the sort of thing he'd do, yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't need to anymore. He's obviously had a number one album and a number one single, but he just goes on nicking stuff. People's he seems a sort, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, this song's crap. Uh, the streets are fucking shit. They are turgid, nonsense, wank tissues. Alternatively, right, I'm, go- I'm just going to play devil's advocate, right? <laughs> Are they speaking to an audience of people that isn't you? No, I mean, to be fair, it's I'm their actual style of music I don't like. Nothing about their lyrics. I just don't like his yeah. fucking, not even... It's like fucking Vic Reeves doing Vic, doing club lounge singing, but less of a sing. It's like this annoying talking that's not even, I don't know, just something about it really pisses me off. I don't really, I can't really explain it. Fair enough. Yep. The whole um, style of it. I mean, they they also had number one album. Absolutely. Yeah. Twice. Uh, a grand don't come for free. July. And then they got back there again at the end of the month, on thirty first of July. Yeah. Um, another band that double dipped were <laughs> Scissor Sisters. Remember when Scissor Sisters seemed to be like the biggest thing? Yes, I do. For about yeah. a year, and then like that was it. They <laughs> disappeared forever. Yeah. yeah. Like. They were they were pushed by a lot of media and they like every like they were everywhere and then suddenly it was like oh we don't care about them anymore yeah yeah very like there was a, there was a moment where they sort of taken over the world or at least it felt that way and then then goodbye okay it was a bit, the, the same happened with the darkness the year before it was like oh you're the biggest thing in the world yeah oh but yeah we don't want to care anymore. I mean, the darkness is still around, though, whereas the Scissor Sisters are not, as of around 2012. They went on an indefinite hiatus. Hmm. Okay. And then... I wonder why. Not not I was ever... I didn't really like them. My wife did. Yeah. Um, But I just... It it was weird. Like, they seemed really popular. And then they were. And I, I just wonder if it was around this time, maybe trendiness in the media mattered more than it does now quite possibly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i mean because their, their final album in 2012 got to number four in the uk and then they announced it that while they were performing at the camden roundhouse they announced they were going on an indefinite hiatus i mean yeah the roundhouse is not big it's well I, I went to see creeper, i went to see creeper last year that's so i mean Two sisters potentially, if they'd had a second album as big as their first album, would have been talked about as Glastonbury headliners. They were like that big at that point. I mean, yeah. we, uh, we can only really speculate, I suppose, because we, I, I would say we don't know enough about them because they're not our sort of preferred genre of music. But yeah. you, you're right; it is interesting that they just kind of, at least culturally, they they came and went very quickly. Um, I mean, I, I I was a fan of the Darkness, and the same happened with them. It yeah. just seemed that. It seemed like the well, the enemy magazine seemed out to get the darkness. Yeah, absolutely did. Them. Yeah, hated them. Like I, we saw them headline Reading the month after this this one, and they were really good. Um, but the review from the enemy was not not like that at all. And the, 
the following night went to see the White Stripes, who were cap, and the yeah. enemy said one of the best headliners they'd ever seen. Like it was this kind of like, I mean, yeah. bad bad journalism at the time. I know it's all subjective, but I think a live performance you can sort of tell a bit more by crowd reaction and enjoyment. Yeah. Um, it, it could be, could also be whoever writes for the NME has no yeah. fucking sense of humour, which could be, which, you know, because the darkness are, you know, they're doing jokes about dick fungus and stuff like that. Um, you know, that, that's what the joke, that's what your growing on me is about. And then you've got, you know, Poe-faced, the white stripes. And if you, if you, you know, I think there was very much a, a feeling at the time that, you know, you had to be serious. You had to be taking this seriously. Uh, mm. And that fun wasn't allowed. Um, I think we're kind of away from that a bit more now. Well, I think that's still the thing. I think the, I think the thing with the darkness is their first album had just absolutely great songs. It didn't really matter what they were talking about. Just like they yeah. are really good songs, and in a style that we haven't a music we haven't had for a long time. Whereas I think that they they did sort of usher in a lot of revivalist classic rock, but. Yeah, because I remember I remember one of the complaints being that oh they're just trying to be Queen. It's like yeah, Queen are great. We haven't had anything like Queen for a very <laughs> yeah. long time. And then we had the Darkness and Muse. <laughs> so then we had exactly too much Queen. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and then McFly as well with uh, what is it? Room on the third floor, which we sort of talked about. A definitive proof that they're better than the Beatles. Of course, yes, because the Beatles haven't had any number one albums. <laughs> right, what what are we moving on to? Uh, films. Let's talk about films. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll start at the bottom on this one. The Village. It's M. Night Shyamalan. In... What a twist! What a twist! What a twist! Twist I saw coming a fucking mile away. Yeah. Because... I didn't. I didn't, and I enjoyed The Village. I mean, that's fine. But it, yeah, it, it is. It is just about the twist. It, it was. This was the point where he became a bit of a meme. Yeah, and it was like, oh, what's the twist? Yeah, like, but, and that, and that's the thing. Uh, and I think, think I've said this. I think I said this in a previous episode that if you're going to have a twist in the film, that tw- like you shouldn't expect a twist in a film. That's the yeah. point. You should be constantly looking out for it, and then, and then direct like you would direct someone's attention to something. So. To be fair, it actually does it right. It directs your attention to something at the very beginning of the film, and then only once at the very end uh, of the film does it bring it back. But I think the other thing is the the village just isn't a good film. It's not interesting in and of itself to want to get you to watch it because nothing really happens. I think I think there is an argument. I, I sort of in my see opinion. what you're saying um, a little bit, Hodge. That uh, if you can see a twist is coming, yeah. That doesn't invalidate it, and that actually makes sense. Like, if a twist has a logical make makes logical sense, that that's a good twist. I think the example I was thinking is um, Westworld season one, yes. where a lot of people worked out a lot of the things. And it's like, yeah, that that's because they seeded it. So yeah, you've worked yeah. because you've had like weeks working, like looking at the little clues. But that doesn't mean it's it doesn't any. They weren't twists, but any like reveals didn't. Weren't, weren't without value. It's like, yeah, the fact you've worked out, you should be able to work out some of this stuff. Otherwise, it's like, it's not going to make sense when it's revealed. But yeah. the problem is that M. Night Shyamalan films around this point, it was just like, well, what is the twist? Yeah. Not... Why are they though? Because what, like, I mean, I can only think of this in Sixth Sense that had uh, twists. Unbreakable and Signs had come out as well. Yeah. Signs doesn't really have a twist though. Does. There's the whole thing about the, uh, 
What's the thing his wife says? His wife says a whole bunch of stuff about, oh, swing away and stuff yeah. like that. So she basically, his wife predicts with her last words what needs to be done to defeat the aliens and save the family. Yeah, so I didn't really think of it as a twist. I thought that more was foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not really a twist, I don't think. I mean, yeah. The surprise at the end of the film, let's call it. There we go. Mm. I don't know. I think that's. I, th- I think we're trying to make it into a twist so we can have a pop at M. Night Shyamalan and say that all his films were using twists. Well, at, I think you I can mean, probably find any well, other number of films that problem, do that and you wouldn't say it had a twist. Yeah, but my problem with my problem with Signs isn't actually that bit. My problem with Signs is that the aliens are no fucking threat. They are stopped by wooden doors and water on a planet. They're not. Look, they're not rude. They won't go in unless the you know, doors open for <laughs> yeah. being invited. That's what I mean. Look, they may be here to conquer, but they're not. They've got manners. Yeah. Also, Mel Gibson hitting others with a baseball bat because he doesn't want them in his in his country. It has a different connotation now. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Also, worth pointing out, but in Matt, in uh, Matt's defence, um, the village is on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Yeah. yeah. There we go. If that's an official list, or something he keeps on his fridge that someone saw once. <laughs> Walks past it and mutters to himself. Speak, oh. But if we if we want to talk about really genuinely shit films, <laughs> but, but oh, there like objectively shit films. <laughs> oh, um, Catwoman. Yeah, I was gonna say if he hated the village, at least the village is competently yeah, made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I, I don't like it, but the logic in it is sound and it's not dog shit. <laughs> Halle Berry um, gave one of only six actors in history, the five at the time, to possess both an Oscar and a Razzie after winning for this. Yeah. Um, she collected it in person and walked out onto stage, feigning tears of joy, and gave expect- acceptance speech. I'd like to thank Warner Brothers for making me do this god-awful piece of shit movie. Oh, I like I, Halle Berry. <laughs> I, I, like, I like her, basically, a response to this. It's like, yeah, yeah, what it happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, I made it. It was bad. What are you going to do? So, isn't, isn't Sharon Stone the enemy and she owns, like, a cosmetics company? Yes. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. I went to see this in, um, in the cinema with your partner, Hodge. Not- oh, did you? I've never seen this. Yeah, we we all went together in the. Uh, I think we all <laughs> all stayed uh, in Cardiff that summer and uh, <laughs> in Cardiff, a weekly like. Oh, we haven't got much money, but cinema was cheap in those days. We'll go see a film. Why? <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna go see. So Catwoman has. I think I saw quite a lot of these because of that. I saw Village, Catwoman, and a few of the others we're going to mention in the cinema. Isn't isn't she even not Selena Kyle in this one? I don't know. I can't remember. I think she's like someone Pride or something. I want to say Kitty Pride, but that's an X Men. No, but um, yeah, yeah, she's Patience Phillips. Patience, really? right? Okay, oh. yeah. So she's not even Selena Kyle. There's no Batman. It. This is. <laughs> they don't mention Gotham or any kind of no. DCs. They don't. They, keep, they don't mention the name at all, according to the things I'm looking at. No, this it's it's basically like you know what they've kind of done with Venom now. But I, yeah. I, I mean, Ven- like Venom is is better than this. Oh yeah, and, and there's not many films you can say that about Venom. <laughs> like, uh, like Venom's all right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that's what I mean. Venom, it's, Venom is campy fun. Yeah, 
This, yes. this is just bad, bad. This, oh, this is, it makes no fucking sense, because I can't even remember... So her plan, I think, the villain's plan, is to sell makeup that will kill people. <laughs> like and, and it's like, uh, oh, I've got to keep that under wraps. People will know when the makeup starts killing people. Does <laughs> she, not... she develop a makeup that makes her skin impenetrable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, but this is depressing. Though a box office bomb upon release, the film still held the distinction of being the highest grossing female-led superhero film of all time. For 13 years yeah. until Wonder Woman 2017. People, right, the thing is, Supergirl, the next. Supergirl, which came out before this, was also shit, right? And uh, I, I don't think there were, I don't think there were many ones in between. I, I, that can't be, I mean, Electra, Electra wasn't very good. No, and mm. and what people keep doing is going, ah, oh, what it is is people don't want to see female-led superhero films. No, no, but what they would like is they would like female-led superhero films to have the same level of quality and input as the male ones do. So, yeah, yeah like... like and, and the thing is, you'd sort of go, no, no, we get it now, guys, we get it now, guys. And then you sort of go, oh, well, I just watched Black Widow, so you don't, because that film is shit. <laughs> it's just... So, like, um... Yeah, I don't think Black Widow is shit. I think that's that's the whole like everything's either amazing or shit thing. Um, yeah, Black yeah. Widow is all right. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so Captain Marvel broke a billion, didn't it? So that's even yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, but Captain Marvel's good though. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. but um, as is uh, Wonder Woman, apart from the last act. Yes, which is DC's crazy. problem is yeah. that they don't. Like they, well, they don't know. has a lot of problems. Yeah, Wonder well, Woman was, was, was their best film until the Suicide Squad. Yeah, um, and then they did Wonder Woman eighty four, which we won't talk about. No, because it's not for now. No, yeah, um, that's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, then we got the the Born Supremacy. Which which Born one is this? It's the second one, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I really like the Born films. I think. You know, I don't like Bond films. Yep. Because, well, I, I think if Bond films had stayed set in the 60s, they would have been good because it's he's a 60s character. Yep. I feel like the Bond films are what a Bond film would be if it was set in the early noughties. Or what it should be, you mean, yeah. 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 Like he's not like a spy, he just announces his name to everyone. Yeah. And just goes into shenanigans. He's like, you know, it's the, the idea like there's big crowds, I'm going to hide in crowds. I... Um, I, I'm, I'm a spy of the modern era, but yeah, I, I think they and the the uh, fighting choreography is very good. I can't remember what exactly happened in this one because I haven't seen them in years. But um, yeah, I, they all they all yeah. kind of blend together for me, to be honest. It's yeah. just kind of like it's a it's real fold and a draw called action movie in my head. I think they're just the the, the first three are a fun spy action trilogy that um, makes sense for the time they were set in. So um, yeah. yeah, what I would like. Um, because I think it'd be interesting. I would actually like to see a film of the um, original Born Identity book because the original Born Identity book is very, very different to this. Because it, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, because it's about um, it's it it has a lot more like real world figures in it and stuff. So uh, the original book is about uh, so Jason Bourne in the original book is like Carlos the Jackal's best mate, effectively. 
Mm. And uh, but they've never met in person, and so uh, an undercover operative has to become Jason Bourne in order to meet Carlos the Jackal, who is obviously a real person, uh, and that was uh... what it was about. Whereas, and then the Not following the book, Jackal, yeah, and then and then follow, uh, then uh, the following books were basically wait, if J- you know Jason Bourne is alive, then he's a terrorist and needs to be caught. But oh no, I'm undercover. It's one of those sort of ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the um the average length of a shot is one point nine seconds. Yeah. So that is one thing you can almost blame the Bourne films for a little bit is uh the shaky shaky cam fight choreography, mm. which when done well actually makes uh fights look good, but then that's also where you get Liam Neeson having eighteen cuts jumping over a fence, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I thought uh, Gladiator had it first, didn't it? it? Was one of the early ones. It was around them that everyone seemed to have it. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, you know, the um, it was done with the style for the Bourne films that made sense for the films rather than oh look, it looked cool in the Bourne films, so that's doing everything. Yes, yeah. yeah. This is quite an interesting tidbit regarding the famous use of a rolled-up magazine as a weapon. Fight coordinator, coordinator, coordinator. Jeff Imada explained. I would go around the set after it had been dressed and get an idea of what would be lying around and how it could be used as a weapon. I came up with the idea of using a rolled-up magazine and had to convince a few people it would actually be a functional weapon. I had to demonstrate it by rolling it up and hitting it on the table to show how hard the impact would be. And also, Matt Damon and Martin Kososkis verified the magazine would actually hurt because they'd be hitting each other in the arm before takes and would actually get bruises. (laughs) I, I, I think the Bourne, the Bourne films are probably well worth another watch at some point. Do you know what's mm. not worth another watch, though? I, Robot. Anchorman. Uh, mm. I disagree but, about Anchorman. Um, I, well, I, I didn't think... I've only seen I, Robot once, and I thought it was pretty good at the time. It was all right. I it was some, yeah. some flick. It, I know source material would... The people who love the source material would probably disagree, but... Oh, it's I mean... One of the faithful adaptations... I mean, it's 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 not. It's it's like I don't know why it's called iRobot. Why I don't understand why no. you'd use the license for something when you've got your own well, film. They probably didn't have to buy the license because it's probably public domain. No, it's not that old. No, no, no the Asimov stuff isn't. Um, I know you're right. No, of course yeah. you're right. No, it wouldn't be. Uh, but yeah, then, I don't know why they bought the license. Yeah, I think I think the license the the name iRobot was well known enough that it would have. That's probably it. Sense to make a film like yeah. you, you can. Oh look, we've got a film based on the book. Um, I did not realise that Alan Tudyk is a robot. Oh, that makes sense. Now that you say it, I can see it. Yep. Famous robot, Alan Tudyk. Yep. He's everywhere. You can't get rid of him. Um, which is good. Uh, yeah, um, Will Smith plays Will Smith in this, as he does in everything, which is fine. Will Smith is nice and charming enough, unless you mention his wife, in which case he slaps the shit out of you. Um <laughs> But you know, it's, this this was this was very much when he was Will Smith, the most charming man in the world. So this was when every summer there was a Will Smith movie. Yeah, um, it's just I don't, it, it's forgettable and it's not very. I just don't think it's a very good film. It's fine. There you go. Two two interesting bits, Miss. One, one of you need to this one take a pinch of salt. I can't find the reference for it. Um, but when Will Smith walked into his first iRobot meeting. The first thing he said was, I have to save the world in every movie I make. Everyone present who cherished the complexity of a script felt their hearts sink in their chest. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but more interesting is when Rogue One, a Star Wars story screenwriter, Gary Witter, was asked on Twitter to name a ski- screenplay that made him say, damn, this is a great screenplay, he responded, hardwired by Jeff Binter, later rewritten heavily and turned into iRobot. Ah, uh, okay. That does happen. Um, the legends yeah. say, for example, that, um, what's it called, Pacific Rim started as, as a Neon Genesis Evangelion script. Okay. That's that's what like again legend, but it it happens because you can't get because maybe you can't get that made or people or someone decides no 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 I don't want this I want something different. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like how I'm fairly sure Picard season one was a Mass Effect script. At yeah. Some point. Oh, I, I would believe that. Yeah. Apparently, season three is good and worth watching. I've heard that. I've not watched any of it yet. Yeah. But... I will watch it. I would even say so apparently people say yeah if you if you if you deliberately stayed away from season 1 and 2 that's fine you can just watch season 3 as its own thing. Fair enough. Um because we know what I think about Starship Picard season 1 and 2. Um and command the legend of Ron Burgundy. I quite like this film. I thought it was quite fun. I I thought this was uh wildly Yeah. Everyone loved it. It was one of those like cult classic that everyone loved. Yeah, it's got loads of quotable things, yeah. like which I'm sure I've even heard you use, Hodge. Like you know, fifty percent of the I time will... it works, a hundred percent of the time. No, uh, two things here. <laughs> no. One, when I when I said um, I was joking oh, when, okay. I, when I said this, but I would also say I do not like this film as much as everyone else does. I've not heard me quote it. Uh, You're thinking okay. of the Simpsons quote I use, which is. If you can use facts to prove anything. Ninety-eight percent of all people know that. Okay. I don't. I. I couldn't tell you a quote in this film. And um, the whole lamp thing. So I've seen it on T-shirts. Yeah, the lamp thing is yeah, is is kind of fun. It's like, I love lamp. Okay. And that escalated quickly, of course, which is uh, well known. But yeah. My my favorite bit of the film is where is the the thing where you can write anything on a te- on a teleprompter and Ron Burgundy will say it with a hundred percent conviction. <laughs> And yeah, then... like, I don't. I don't. I want to make it very clear. I don't hate this film. I do think it's quite funny. I'm just not as in love with it as the rest of the world appears to be. No, that's fine. Yeah, I've I've, I've moved on to talking about the film now. <laughs> I, I think this was. I think this was because uh, people can't time, see me giving you the finger. Of... <laughs> can't see you we giving got... me the finger. At the time, we got a lot of these summer like funny films that just weren't very good. Yeah. So I think when one came that was actually like yeah. funny and good i think people really like got really got behind it and it was oh i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a question now right what was the last good comedy film that you saw that wasn't an animation because i don't think comedy as a film is like it's not the right medium or it's currently out of favor let's put it that way the silence is telling me everything i can't Here's, here's where yeah i mean or is it just because I've put you on the spot? No, I, I generally can't think of the last time I saw a comedy at the cinema. Yeah. I don't think we I'd all seem to be low-hanging it. fruit comedies yeah. in more recent years. Yeah, I think I the last. Hate the, to see a comedy. I mean, like the last, the last sort of, as in a genuine comedy, not an action film or a comic book film with funny bits. An yeah. actual comedy. I can't remember the last time I went and saw one, or, or even like even the last time one was out at the cinema that I would even consider going to see. The last the last one, I can tell you what the last one was that I can that I can remember. It was um God, it's knocked up. That's not very good though. No, I did say it was good. <laughs> I did say it was good, no. but that was the last one I saw. 
that was that was overrated. That yeah, yeah. People, I remember people being very. That might like, be the last one I saw. Yeah, because I don't think they. Does Clerks Two count? That, uh, I mean, no. yes. Well, that's a long time ago. Yeah, I, I, it's, I suppose it does. Yeah. What was the last film? So the last comedy I even remember being released at the cinema was um, uh, Holmes and Watson, which was apparently fucking terrible. Which again, I only remember because of uh, Will Ferrell's in it. Isn't that something? Yeah. 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 So okay, um, right. So uh, yeah, but Anchorman I think is is kind of a delightful film. It's it's part of uh, Will Ferrell has a series of films uh, sort of set in and around the 1970s, which I, I think very funny. There's this one. Um, basically, Will Ferrell had a uh, time where he would just play these kind of insane characters, which were, a lot of it was, you could tell, very much ad-libbed straight off, but he would just inhabit that character for a bit and you could get a lot of fun out of it. Like, what is it, the Ricky Bobby one, where he's the Daytona race car driver? Uh, yeah, where he's a NASCAR driver, sorry, is what I mean to say. Um, and there's the one where he is a uh, bastard, like, it's in the 1970s. They said it in the 1970s so that a six foot three white dude would be the tallest person in basketball at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think at the end yeah. at the end of the film they invent the, the alley-oop. <laughs> like, the, the throw it to me while I'm in middle air and I'll dunk it. And everyone's like, what? What are you talking about? That's insane. <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and there was this. And I think I think this one probably has the strongest cast of characters in it as well. Like, it's got a great supporting cast. And, of course, led to the sequel where you know, they have the they have the fight in the park in this one. And then they, they just up the ante in the sequel where everyone and his mum, including Jim Carrey, turns up. Um... Yeah, I, I, I like this film. I think it's still fun. I think it's worth a watch. Everyone's I'm got just, very uh, quiet. <laughs> no, I'm just looking looking at um, no, it's, it's a good film. I'm just looking at um, comedy films from the 2010s and like that. Most of them came out er, like the the really acclaimed ones came out early in yeah. the 2010s. Four Lions. Yeah, that that's great. Um, but that's a very niche film. And then like you you go further down, it's like the. Films like Kick-Ass are put as a comedy film? I'm not saying that's a comedy. No. I think that's a comic book film with comedy elements. Yeah. Like, you're right, Matt. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, you think it because, do you think it's because comedy is so subjective, it's harder to get a good one made or make its money back? Whereas, like, on TV, it's like, you know, there's no price of admissions. You'll, people will just watch it and you'll get word of mouth and stuff. I, I think it's actually more to do with the advent of streaming, because if you look up comedies, there have actually been some good comedies in the last few years, but they weren't released in cinemas. Don't Look Up. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Don't Look Up was a Netflix one. Um, that's... What's the problem with Don't Look Up is it's a, a comedy that's frighteningly too real. Yeah. So more like a documentary. <laughs> it's like, this is exactly what would happen. Yeah. Uh, that's it's, hard to do, it's hard to do satire anymore. when. Yeah. Uh, free Guy... Mm. I, yeah, I, okay, I, that was at the cinema. Yeah, it was at the cinema. Um, I don't know if I'd call it. Well, I suppose it is a comedy, but it's an action film sort of thing. It's yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, but yeah, there I we think go. Free, I think Free Guy. I would argue is probably is a comedy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. First and foremost. 
I suppose, I suppose, like, funnily enough, the the only sort of like big comedy that isn't a, like Deadpool, Deadpool one and two, they mm. are comedies, but they are also superhero films. But yeah, they are. I would say they are comedies first. Is the best way of putting that, without being. Oh god, this is so weird. Without being a superhero comedy film, which is oh look at superheroes, aren't superheroes done sort of thing. Yeah, you know because it's an established, it's an actual established superhero rather than something taking the piss out of superheroes. This right. has been a this has been a fraught topic, and you know, <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, what's the next film? Uh, the next film is uh, King Arthur. Is this the one with? Uh... Clive Owen with cocking yeah. Clive Owen, possibly. Yep. Uh, so it's basically they they did a version of the Arthurian legend where he's a Roman general or legion leader that stays in Britain when the Roman Empire when Rome leaves Britain, which is before the Empire falls. Yep. Um, and he becomes the king. Slightly, it was more like here's a story of Arthur that's based in reality. Yeah. Rather than anything else. Uh, like Merlin is a druid, but like doesn't really have any magic powers. Guinevere is a Celt. Yes. Um, played by Kira Knightley. Of course. I mean, uh, hmm. it was it was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, so that's the kind of thing we're into here. Um, uh, I think I saw this in the cinema. I, I saw a lot of films in the cinema that summer because of. Yeah, I think I think I I'm pretty sure I saw this with Hodge at the cinema. I think I'm. Th- I don't think I, I think I'm thinking of Troy that we saw. We did see Troy um, in the cinema. Yeah. I mean, they're they're different yeah. films and myths. Well, Troy isn't a myth, really. It's... No, but I don't think I saw. I don't oh. think I saw this, but I know I did see Troy with you. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't see this Although... at the cinema. I didn't see this at the cinema. I saw it on DVD a few months later. Um, and remember finding it a bit underwhelming. Like... It's it's all right. the the idea. I... I kind of feel like a lot. There's no historical evidence for Arthur, but I sort of feel like there's so many stories that you know, probably, probably, an element of truth to it. Yeah. Again, I, again, I don't mind. We, we, funnily enough, we talked about this in the previous episode about yeah. Robin Hood. Um, I don't mind there being like uh, a few sort of films that explore what could have happened, as long as they're decent films. And I think mean, this this one is is pretty much. Uh, an action adventure. I think it was pr- again riding the coattails of stuff like Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. Gladiator. So everything, everything has to have a big set piece battle, even if that makes no sense. So, oh. yeah, I've got three facts for you. Go on. One of which I'm only going to mention because you just about Gladiator. But Gladiator Link is that the horse ridden by Boars Ray Winston in this film is the same horse that was ridden by Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Ray Winston will have loved that. Whispers Lingstown whispers it's all about the in-play. <laughs> um I can't pronounce his name. Ian Grufford. Ian Griffith. Um Griffith. Okay, that yeah. Was spotted curling his eyelashes by Ray Winston one morning before shooting. Winston spread the word and Griffith was named earned the nickname Sir Lashalot for the duration of the shoots. Yay, workplace bullying. It, it, yeah. it, it's not Ian is it? either, is it? No, it's Yone. Yone Griffith, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> and the fil- right, this is this is quite this is genuinely interesting in back office. The film was originally envisioned and shot as an R rated film with corresponding graphic violence. Yep. However, 
After the picture had been edited, Disney executives demanded it be changed to a PG-13 and necessitated a lot of effects work to remove the blood from the battle scenes. Director Antoine Fuga and producer Jerry Bruckheimer were not at all pleased with this decision and fought against it. They were ultimately over- overruled. They were both disappointed with the theatrical release and later released a much more violent director's cut on DVD. However, according to the commentary track, even this was considerably less violent than their ideal version. Ironically, when the film was released, one of the biggest criticisms was that the battles were mysterious, mysteriously bloodless, hence undermining any sense of realism. Ah, okay. <laughs> that's a, that, that explains a lot, because that's kind of how I felt watching it, that everything felt a bit safe. You know mm. what I mean? It's that sort of mm. thing of... Um, you see it in films all the time, it's that sort of thing. I hit you with my sword and therefore you fall down. Whereas, of course, yeah. what actually happens with swords is you stab them in people and cut them apart. <laughs> you know, it's that sort of, <laughs> you know. So that's uh, that explains a lot about that. Ah, interesting. Well, well, thank you for the timely notes, Hodge. You're cool. welcome. So, yes, we'll move on to TVs. TVs, TV shows, I should say. Um... Hodge, do you want to take us through some TV stuff? There are some good debuts. Yeah. The um, obviously most important debut was Super Nanny, debuted in the UK. <laughs> Come on, you you both watched Super Nanny when you've been hungover or not very well. Um, I I don't think I can I say I've watched it. I can say I was aware of it. I was aware of its existence. It's where the it's where the term naughty step came has come from. Oh, was the, yeah. did that originate with this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. On the naughty step. Yeah. Super Nanny's great. It's a good hungover program. So is um, is that one person or is it a different nanny sort of? There are a generates every team time. of yeah. <laughs> <she> regenerates. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is. <laughs> I've broken him. Uh, the idea of like what the kids would have to do to like trigger a regeneration would just get like really furious and yeah. then like the light shines out of her <laughs> generate it's every it's every time she meets a uh like a, a child that's the actual sport of satan and kills her yeah or like yeah, the kids knock her down the stairs yeah <laughs> uh, um stargate atlantis debuted i've not actually seen stargate atlantis but i know it's quite well liked isn't it i think again i think this is um when did oh god I, I, I'm going to date myself here, but I think this is another one of these Battlestar Galactica is really popular. Let's do that <laughs> sort of sort of reactions. Uh, oh, I'm not sure because Stargate was already Star. ongoing. This yeah. was just a spin-off of Stargate. Yeah, I think Battlestar started in 2004, so it wouldn't have been. Oh, I will shut up then. I will shut my face. But um, I remember it being. It, it was like a whole city that moves on its own rather than. You know, through a Stargate, but it was in the Stargate universe. So, yeah. I always think of okay. it. I believe. Whenever so. you mention Stargate, I keep thinking of the Mitchell and Webb sketch where they keep uh, they, that the is a... people like pissing in the Stargate. Look, Carol, we're very lucky to have a Stargate. You can't go just throwing your rubbish in there. <laughs> it's a great series of sketches. Okay, so no one here really likes Stargate Atlantis. Nope. Um, yeah, any love for. The, um, when did the mini series air? I mean, the first series aired uh, in two thousand four, so I don't, I don't think it was a reaction to Battlestar. No, so I, I will, I will rescind my comments. Yeah, this yeah. smirching poor, poor, poor Stargate. I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
Any any love for Justice League Unlimited? Oh, I haven't yeah. seen it. Oh, yes. hell yes, there is. Yes. This, um, yeah. The, you, you know right. what? You know, everything that the um, DC movies gets wrong, this gets right. Yeah. So uh, just a just a slight correction. The miniseries aired December two thousand three, but I don't. I mean, I assume that the Stargate was in production before that. No, I'm cool. still right. I take it all back. Fuck yeah, you, Stargate Atlantis. Um, you, you, you plagiarists. So am, am I right? <laughs> in, in, just, right. Anyway, <laughs> Justice League Unlimited. So they aired two seasons of Justice League, which had a core a core Justice League. Yeah. Um, and then they did three seasons of Unlimited, which expanded it to a lot of other DC series, super, uh, DC comic superheroes. It effectively became like DC superhero show rather than like, you know, rather than six members of the Justice League sort of thing. Yeah, they'd have some really good episodes. Like, I think there was one episode where they had sort of, I, I forget his his name, but he's a bit like um, Thunderbolt Ross from Marvel Comics. Yeah. He... he becomes like a rampaging monster who hates but the reason he's done this is because he hates metahumans yeah like they have a group of uh justice league who are all people without powers and they're all from a classic publisher that dc bought at the time so oh. uh they are actually so oh. it's uh shining night um uh, vigilante uh shiny night vigilante green arrow yeah. and uh the sandman not not Neil Gaiman Sandman, but that the other Sandman before Neil Gaiman had a chance, uh, and a load of other uh, people, and they were all uh, originally from another uh, series uh, of comics that DC bought, um, which was it was a lovely little nod to that. Um, yeah. And, okay. Uh, and he becomes Blockbuster, I think it is. Mm. Yeah. There's um yeah there's there's loads of really cool episodes like it's serialized it's one of those that's serialized but um each episode standalone yeah so as like stories follow on but um you can just watch an individual episode there's, there's one episode where like wonder Woman gets turned into a pig yes remember um <laughs> but they, they just there's, there's one episode follows a character that alan moore created called is it the question yes yeah the yeah. question's brilliant in this yeah. and he's voiced by Oda. The, he's the inspiration for uh rorschach yeah question yeah it's um yeah the the voice the voice cast in this is great as well it's um i'd really recommend watching it if you haven't Hodge. It's oh a really really great series yeah it's fantastic um yeah th there are so many like there are so many good episodes in this there's like a, a, an episode of uh the android amazo where he's coming back to earth and uh amazo can copy any ability he sees and uh the last okay. time you saw him was in the original justice league and he basically goes, "You, this planet has nothing to offer me anymore. And he disappears out into the universe. And now he's coming back. And he is unstoppable. He's absolutely unstoppable. So they need to try and figure out a way, like, and he's coming back. And they don't know why, and they are terrified. It's, uh, it's there's, And it's also, it's one of these ones which does a really good job of letting you know why Superman is actually a good character when people say, oh, Superman's boring. It means they have never read a Superman, a, a good Superman comic, because Superman does some really great stuff in the show. There's a great episode where, for example, he is pretty much given the life he's always wanted. Okay. Oh, it's the famous. Um, it's a famous story. Alan the Moore man, did. the man who has everything. What do you yeah. get? The man who has everything. And 
and the ending of that is incredibly sad um but it's really good uh, and then at the end there's at the end of the final series there is uh, he has a proper face off against darkseid and he, he's got this great speech about every day I what I walk in a world made of cardboard and I have to be under control because who knows what will happen if I don't and then he looks at darkseid and he goes but you could take it big fella <laughs> and it's like so like, oh shit I fucked up <laughs> I've made superman angry <laughs> it's it's oh, it's 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 genuinely it's some of the best superhero storytelling ever ever put to ever put to screen and it's it is yeah. unlimited better than the normal justice league series uh it's 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 basically I, seasons three and four and five of that series yeah, with more I'd characters. i recommend i think you need to watch the first two and yeah. the first two are really good um yeah it's a yeah it's just a continuation but they've just expanded the scope yeah um yeah, but the option to do that is quite expensive. Yeah, it is, is it not on streaming anywhere? It is, no. but you have to buy it. They also do they do like a coda to the Batman Beyond series. Yeah. Which clears up a lot of points in that. Um There's a there is a uh Suicide Squad episode before anyone sort of even <laughs> thought about the Suicide Squad. They just call them Task Force X because it was still a Saturday morning show, so you're not going to put suicide yeah. on the um, yeah on the thing. Yeah. There's a there's a really cool through line throughout one of the series about um, like a, an inciting incident that causes the Justice League to go become villains. So they they go to an alternative universe where that happens, and there's always like the idea that the reason that happens is the Flash is killed, as yeah. the uh, Flash is a really popular popular part of the group, and the group falls apart when he when he dies. Um, and they address that with a uh, like the finale of season four, which is really good. Yeah. Um, Michael Rosenbaum plays the Flash. He was also yeah. at the time playing Lex Luthor, so it was quite a yeah. cool little nod there. So yeah, it's it's a really good show. Um, it's made. It's one of those. It's made with a love for the the DC universe that the the films rarely show. Yeah. It's so. uh, there's a my one of my favorite moments is in Justice League Unlimited, where the the Flash and Lex Luthor have a brain swap episode and. Lex Luthor is in the Legion of Doom at this point, which is fun enough in of itself. And then someone go like he's in the bathroom and he's had a chat with another villain. And the villain goes, "Hang on, aren't you going to wash your hands?" And he goes, "No, because I'm evil." <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that also the one where I've seen a clip of this for line where Lex Luthor goes in the bathroom and goes, "Finally, I will learn the identity of the Flash." Yes. And takes the mask down and goes. I have no idea who this is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that same one. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. Which makes sense because Wally West is just a bloke. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That's a great. Yeah. Don't know who this is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 genuinely it's it's really good. Uh is it? I mean, you did ask the question. Is it as good as the original two series? Yeah, yeah actually, it probably is, is better um, because they, you know, they've got a wider cast. They can do more with it, and that, like some of the some of the plot lines are like about humanity not mm. trusting the Justice League anymore. Yeah, because it's like someone sort of goes, they've got a giant orbital space station with a giant space laser on it, and someone points that out, and they're like, oh. Yeah, um, no, but but they're like, yeah, but we're the good guys, and they're like, you say you're the good guys, 
how do you like it's it doesn't yeah. quite get like Watchmen levels of uh... yeah well, I think they even they reference Watchmen and there's a bit where um like they have the the original six uh, seven members of Justice League yeah and like I think Green Arrow says who watches a Watchmen it's like there's a group of the sort of subset of the Justice League and say well we do yeah we, well we are there if any of these step out of line we will stop them yeah yeah and it's, it's um, and it's you know it introduces other great characters like Booster Gold and things like that who becomes sort of like he's one of my favorite DC characters now because he's 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 got that sort of thing of yeah if I like if a real person became a superhero they would probably do this and make those sort of mistakes hmm. yeah yeah I want to watch this again now I do as well yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to the future heads I'm gonna watch <laughs> Justice League Unlimited hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Annoyingly, you can either buy Justice League Unlimited as the complete series, all see all three DVDs, all three sets. Yeah. Or you can buy Justice League the complete series, which has the two seasons of Justice League and the first two seasons of Unlimited, but then you can't buy the third season of Unlimited anywhere. Right. Okay. That sounds um useless. Yeah. They will watch Young Justice Invasion. I don't think I finished watching it. So it was impossible to do it. It was a pain in the ass. I haven't seen it. No. I, haven't seen uh, it I watched. I watched the original ones. Yeah, happened. but none of the new ones. Yeah. No. Yeah. Is this? Uh, is, well, are we being punished for not having HBO Max? Yes. Yeah, we are. Yeah, oh, we are. Online, really? yeah. But I, I, I've said before, this is the thing I don't, I can't stand about when you know these these things go, decide we're going to make our own Disney Plus. It's like, are you going to bring it to the UK? No. Then fuck off. Don't pretend it's a good yeah. thing. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, although it means we didn't have to suffer through Gotham Knights, the TV show, which is apparently garbage and was cancelled after about seven episodes. Uh, yeah. Oh, poor Castiel. Yeah. That'll teach you. I was... One more. Uh, where things I mentioned in TV is that the Nickelodeon show Rocket Power ends. And the reason I bring it up is because Matt mentioned this in passing a couple of weeks ago. As um, something that was shit. Yeah, it was shit. I've never seen it. Uh, I mean, it's the sort of thing where you go, "Oh, it's not. It's it's you know, it's just ugly." Like <laughs> the thing is, I can like I can forgive Rugrats for being ugly because they're babies and all babies have weird heads and are ugly. I'm sorry, they do. They do. <laughs> Even babies I love have weird heads and are ugly. Um, but you know, Rocket Rocket Power is like tubular, awesome. Kids with skateboards like that. No, no, not not with that. No, get in the bin. And we haven't done um, games yet. We haven't done games. No. God, we haven't done game. So this is because there is one game to talk about, and I have, and and even saying that, I didn't play it. So the game on the (laughs) list is uh, Tales of Symphonia. I played it. But I didn't get very far because, basically, if we'd have uh, had this conversation when you were talking about JRPGs and Western RPGs earlier, yeah, I, I would have had something to say about this because I think I've played a few Tales games. Yeah, I played one all the way through, and it was one of those like you get to fight the big bad, um, and then like, oh, well, okay, I feels like this is appropriate time. No, no, now we've got to go somewhere else to fight the big bad. Yes. And the game did that about four times. So I tried, then tried to play this when it was, I think it was remastered about 10 years ago. It's actually, you're right, it did have a remaster about 10 years ago. And also, I think in the last week or two weeks, it's just mm. had another one. 
just another yeah. update re-release. So I, I played this and it was the same kind of thing. I don't like the combat in these games. Um, when we were talking about this, it was around this time where every, IGN was particularly bad with this. Every JRPG game. Yeah. Like, oh, it's turn-based combat, so I hate it. It's like, well, okay, well, if I was reviewing a fighting game and it went, it's it's fighting yeah. uh, on a 2D plane, I hate it. Like, I would be fired. I, 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 I yeah, I, I, I did I, have... I, I, I like, if I don't enjoy a style of game, yeah. I probably shouldn't be reviewing it. Yes. Um, if you don't like turn-based uh, combat in RPG games, then maybe you shouldn't be reviewing a turn-based combat RPG game. Um, so yeah, this is this game has a it's a it's basically you get you you fight in little domes, and it's a bit like Yakuza. Yeah. But it just I, it's one of those where just action RPGs don't always work. I know because I, 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 I don't enjoy the combat, and there's a lot of combat in, in this, and that's why I gave up after about five hours. Yeah, so uh. I haven't played this one. I've played um, uh, one which is similar to this, which is Vesperia, Tales they're of Vesperia. All the same. Yeah, they're all yeah, um, just different uh, settings. This one is well loved by the fans of the series. I will say yeah. that uh, this is the one where where people were suggesting that the main character Lloyd should be in uh, Smash Brothers. Uh, I don't think he. Well, I don't. I don't I mean, I don't think he made it in. I know damn well he didn't make it in. Um, <laughs> but uh, there is a costume of him and stuff like that. Um, I think also this was at the time. This the part of the reason I think why this was uh, well loved. Not only because it's actually they are actually considered good games again, whatever. But um, it was also the return of that Japanese RPG style game to Nintendo because. During oh, yeah. the Nintendo 64 era, very few JRPGs coming out on the Nintendo 64 because they were yeah. all coming out on PlayStation. Why were they coming out on PlayStation? Because PlayStation had fucking CDs, basically. And you could put FMV on it and music and stuff like that, which, you know, uh, a lot of people wanted to do with their, uh, with their uh, JRPGs. I mean, the amount of JRPGs with anime-inspired intros is... Well, I don't even know if you can call it inspired. They just are. Their anime intros is insane. And and I, I would also say, I think this is interesting because I would also say that the Tales series are pretty much the exact sort of game, JRPG, that Square Enix were trying, are, are sort of saying they want to distance themselves from because... That's interesting. Because mm. it's, you know, they are considered to a degree quite formulaic. If you yeah, that. I mean, I, I I played I played three of them. Yeah. I know I know fans of the series would disagree with that, but I, I, it's just they just feel the same. They're just in different set. They felt like different settings, and the, the combat feels the same. If you're not on board with the combat, yeah, um, I'd say t- Tales of Arise plays differently to at least Tales yeah. of Vesperia. So, but um, yeah, I, I, that again has the problem of it's way too fucking long. Um, of, of uh, yeah, the other thing. Yeah, yeah they uh, are. Yeah, uh, I welcome quite quite a lot. Yeah, and uh, one thing I don't like about the Tales series is that they keep doing this. Oh, it's a cutscene, but we're going to do it in the storyboard style. Have a full cutscene or don't. You know what I mean? Like, to animate your characters in cutscenes or like just fuck off because it annoys me when it's like, yeah, we're just going to put them in like comic book sort of shorts. It's like that's lazy. Don't do that. Don't you ever do that. Or I'll slap you. Um, 
but yeah, so Tales of Symphonia was our only real game. I think there were a couple of other games released, but I don't think we've played any of them. So no. uh, well, this this was a time where games didn't come out in July because the the idea was that people were off doing other things in July, so you don't release your game. Yeah. So yeah, it's not not a surprise. We we found this with a few Julys. We tend to have a lot of films, not much TV. It's it's funny actually looking at the films. That we don't have any. Well, no, no, that's not true. Actually, we do have a couple of blockbusters. I suppose for Born Supremacy was a blockbuster, but they weren't. I don't. I would say there weren't any effects-driven blockbusters. And then I just saw King Arthur, so I'll shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you know. Also, the month before this, Spider-Man Two came out. Ah, uh, okay. Basically, I think it was probably towards the end of June, and it absolutely slammed everything because it was oh, like the biggest movie of the year. Because it was Spider-Man fucking two. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting because I remember people going, "Well, how are you going to top Spider-Man One? Because that movie was great." And then Spider-Man Two came out and shat on it from a massive hype. <laughs> Spider-Man yeah. Two movie is a great movie, hundred yes. percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, if, if the dice had been slightly different, we would have talked about Spider-Man Two, the game, and <laughs> the film. Yeah. Oh, that'll be a conversation for another time. Speaking of the dice, I will roll for our next month. So, our next episode will be on March of 2011. Um, just remains for me, really, to say that I've been Matthew Wynn, uh, I'm with a Kevin Jones, and a Chris Hodgkinson. Biesies. I think Hodge tried to say goodbye then, but we can't hear him. Biesies. <laughs> there we go, that's better. Biesy woos. Biesy woos. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this, please check out Sound Files, our podcast about the music of video games. Drop us a line at late underscore pod on Twitter, or send us an email at too late update at gmail.com. Thanks very much, guys. Bye-bye.